Welcome to the Middle Church Podcast, a multicultural, multi-ethnic, intergenerational movement of spirit and justice, powered by revolutionary love with room for everyone. No matter where you are, how you look, or who you love, we pray this podcast will help you on your journey. Here's this week's worship celebration. Uh, if you're online today, we're so glad you're here. Let's turn and wave to the people online. Hello! I'm glad you're here. And um, I'm Jackie Lewis, the senior minister here at Middle Church. Thank you, darling. I like that. I like the way you work it. Um, how many of you are here for the very first time? Hi. Welcome. We're glad you're here. We hope that you will feel at home. Put your hand back up. Wonderful ushers are going to give you a card to fill out. If you're there for, for the very first time, write in the chat and say, I'm here. That would be wonderful. So we have a beautiful worship planned for today. It is Trans Day of Remembrance. So somewhere behind the choir is our guest preacher, a poet and activist Jay Hume is going to be preaching. And you'll just, it's a mystery. You'll see when he stands up <laughs> what's happening. Um, we're really excited about that. And so glad that we at Middle Church are on a journey about uh, transforming the world in a place that is safe for all of us to be who we are. So um, on our journey, our learning journey, we are inviting you on a learning journey. Do not act like trans people are odd. They're fabulous, exactly as they are. So Trans Day of Remembrance, remembering all the folks, making a better world. There's a book fair today after worship. That Elise Tarali, that Alicia Boyko, they are kicking butt on the children thing. So go downstairs afterwards, stay in the room afterwards. We're going to be reading from the books and selling books. It's going to be a beautiful experience, okay? I know I said Alicia's name wrong. I apologize. I love you, though. Um, secondly, and there's puppets, too. Tomorrow, speaking of transformation, our facade is beginning its journey to come down. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Tom. My board is like, it's about damn time that that thing comes down. It's been a long time. But I think also we know that there is a certain kind of sadness, right? We can't move forward with it standing there. But the facade coming down to me feels like the fire kept burning. That the facade didn't fall down, but it did burn down. And will, or burn up, maybe that's better. So when we are taking it down tomorrow, I imagine the neighborhood will also have some grief. So we'll be over there doing a vigil all day, 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock. Come when you can. Come as you want. Come bring a memento. Um, come tell a story. Um, uh, come and remember and also dream forward because that's the next thing, right, Tom? Dreaming forward to all the new things that we can do. So we'll be there. That's what it is. Um, uh, I want to say one more thing that's kind of weird people online just listening on this. Last week we had a little bit of an accident on the fourth floor in one of the water closets, let's say. And so let's say paper towels seem to be the culprit. Uh, what I'm asking us to do is to remember that we are guests in this house. Amen. And these folks are our people 
and now they have a big damage to take care of. So when you <clears throat> finish reading your magazine or whatever you're doing, in what I like to call the throne of grace, whatever you're doing, just like let's all just take a look as we leave a room, leave it as you found it, every room, all the rooms. Let's make it a neater, kinder experience for our neighbors. Amen? Amen. All right. With all of that and more, I'm so uh, glad you're here because we're not church unless you're here. So take a deep breath with me. Admire this big choir. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> and let us worship God. Join us in our opening.
everyone. I almost fell over, oh my goodness. Uh, hi, my name is Alicia Borba Kaleiko. I use she, they pronouns, and it's time. Woo, yeah, woo, oh my God, oh my, what is happening? I love it, woo, praise the Lord. Okay, so it's time for the message for all ages. So everyone who's in the sanctuary, I encourage, hi, the young and young of heart to come join me for our message for all ages, yippee, yeah. And everyone, all the kiddos at home, feel free to get a little closer to the screen. This one's for you. Okay, great. So, hello. So, tomorrow is a Trans Day of Remembrance, and today is our book fair. So, I thought for today's message for all ages, we'll read a book by a trans writer, um, and I borrowed it from my local NYPL branch, so go libraries. <laughs> and today's story is, hello, hello, yay, welcome, oh my god, friends, yippee. Um, From the Stars in the Sky to the Fish in the Sea, written by Kai Chen Tong and illustrated by Wai Yan Li and Kai Yan Chin. So let's get started. Once upon a time, in a little blue house on a hill on the edge of town, a baby was born. They were born when both the moon and the sun were in the sky, so the baby couldn't decide what to be. Boy or girl, bird or fish, cat or rabbit, tree or star. So the baby looked a little like everything. They looked very strange. All the same, the baby's mother gave her child a bath and rocked them in her arms. Your name, she said, is Lan, and she sang a song that her own mother had sung to her long ago. Whatever you dream of, I believe you can be, from the stars in the sky to the fish in the sea. You can crawl like a crab or with feathers fly high, and I'll always be here, I'll be near, standing by, and you know that I'll love you till the day that I die. Even though they still couldn't decide, the baby felt loved. Oh, picture, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yolong grew up to be a strange, magical child who was always changing. They grew feathers and wings to fly with bluebirds in the mornings, scales and a tail to swim with fish in the afternoons, and fur and paws to play with puppies in the evenings. No matter how many things Myolan became, their mother always brought them back into the little blue house, gave them a bath, and tucked them into bed at the day's end. As the stars rose, she sang, whatever you dream of, I believe you can be, from the stars in the sky to the fish in the sea. Myolan felt loved. One day, it was time for the child to go to school. They were so excited. They grew a tail of peacock feathers and a coat of tiger stripes. Have fun, said Myolan's mother. But when they got to the school,
The other students were either boys or girls. They had no feathers, no scales, no leaves, no furs, no fins, not even any sparkles. No one invited Mjolan to play. One little boy ran up to the child and asked, what are you supposed to be? Mjolan didn't know how to answer. When they came home, their mother asked them how they'd like school. It's okay, said Mjolan. Did you make any friends? Not really, said Mjolan. That night, Mjolan's mother tucked them into bed and sang. You can crawl like a crab or feathers, or with feathers fly high. And I'll always be here. I'll be near, standing by. And you know that I'll love you till the day that I die. And Mjolan felt loved but also worried. The next day, they wore a turtle shell and porcupine spines. No one pulled or poked Mjolan, but the other children still pointed and whispered. Did you make any friends today? Asked their mother. Not really, said Mjolan. That night, Mjolan's mother tucked them into bed and sang, Whatever you dream of, I believe you can be, from the stars in the sky to the fish in the sea. And Mjolan felt loved, but they also felt sad. The next day, Mjolan wore no feathers, no scales, no leaves, no fur, no fins, no shells, no spines, not even any sparkles. Yolan was invited to play baseball with the boys. No one pointed, whispered, laughed, or stared. But when Yolan joined the little girls playing hopscotch, boys don't play hopscotch, said a little girl. Are you a boy or a girl anyway? asked a little boy. Didn't you have a shell the other day, asked the little girl, and feathers the day before? What are you supposed to be, said several children at once. I don't know, Mjolong shouted, and galloped out of the playground on horses' hooves, swam through the stream with a fish's tail, and soared up the hill on an eagle's wings. How was school, asked Mjolan's mother. I wore feathers and stripes so that the other kids would think I was beautiful, but they thought I was weird. And then I wore a shell and spine so that no one would pull or poke me, but they wouldn't talk to me. And then I just tried to be like everyone else, but I haven't made any friends. I can't decide what to be. Why do I have to just be one thing? It isn't always easy to be different from everyone else, said their mother. But you can only be who you are. Friends, can we say that? Can we say you can only be who you are? You can only be who you are. What if the other children don't like who I am, sniffled Mjolan.
Their mother smiled sadly. I don't know, she admitted, but I do know this. Whatever you dream of, I believe you can be, from the stars in the sky to the fish in the sea. Emiolan felt loved. That night, they slept a deep sleep. The next day, Miolan wore fur, feathers, scales, leaves, and many sparkles that glittered like stars. For a moment, none of the other children spoke. Then a little girl said, you can fly? That's so cool. I like your sparkles, said a little boy. I'm sorry I pulled your feathers, said the boy with red hair. I was a little jealous of them. Lan asked, does anyone want to play with me? They showed the other children how to gallop like horses, climb like monkeys, and swim like fish. It was fun to be many different things. And the child of fur, feathers, scales, leaves, and sparkles, who was neither boy nor girl, but many things and always changing, felt happy. In the little blue house on the hill on the edge of town, Miolan's mother smiled and sang the song her mother had sung to her once upon a time. Whatever you dream of, I believe you can be. From the stars in the sky to the fish in the sea, you can crawl like a crab or with feathers fly high, and I'll always be here. I'll be near standing by, and you know that I'll love you till the day that I die. Whatever you dream of, I believe you can be. For you are my child, courageous and free. So friends. <laughs> friends, whoever you are, however you understand yourself to be, know that you are loved because you are exactly who you are. And I love you exactly as you are. Thank you for coming to Storytime, and let's sing Siya Hamba for the rest of worship. Alicia, come back. Alicia, come back. Come back. Alicia has been doing children's ministry for us for years. And I just want to say thank you to Alicia Kaleko for her gifts, their gifts, their gifts in this place, and for us to stand up because we've not seen Alicia in this room since January, right? Uh, I'm Reverend Ben. I use he and they pronouns. 
Uh, and tomorrow is the Trans Day of Remembrance. And as we honor that in this space, we're gonna begin our prayer by reading a list of names of all the trans folks killed in the last year in the United States. Knowing that trans violence goes woefully underreported, knowing that this list of names will not be complete, we gather to bestow honor and sacredness to folks in this place who should have received it while they were living. We remember LaKendra Andrews and London Price and Lisa Love and Dominic Dupree and Annie Johnson and Sherilyn Marjorie and China Long Luis Angel Diaz Castro, Yoko, Thomas Robertson, Devon Jorge Johnson, Camden Ryder, Jacob Williamson, Chanel Perez Ortiz, Ashia Davis, Banco Brown, Coco Dadal, Ashley Burton, Tasia Woodland, Tortuguita, Cache Ashanti Harrison, Maria Jose Rivera, Zaki Imanuetahu, Unique Banks, Casey Johnson, and Jasmine Star Mack. And take a moment of silence with me. God, you have told us that we are wonderfully created in your image. And so we know that when trans siblings are killed, it is a crucifixion, a killing of the indwelling Christ. And that if we are to be Christian, we cannot look away from the cross. It makes a claim upon our living. It indicts complacency. And it calls us to a faith that breathes new life, following the one who promised to turn death into something else entirely. And so God, let us be that resurrection that creates different circumstances that helps every person know that they are beloved and beautiful and wondrous and holy, exactly as you created them, as they co-create bodies, co-create love, co-create lives with your blessedness. Help every person flourish into abundance, nurtured by community that knows them and names them and holds them as holy and as dearly as you hold them in your heart. Bless these names we have read, knowing that you hold them close to your breast, gathering them as a mother hen gathers her chicks. Now, as then, they are holy 
and they are yours. Create a different world with us. Create a different world with us. Co-create with us. We pray this in your heavenly name. Amen. And now, if you would join with me in the prayer that Jesus taught us, using whatever words and language are closest to your heart. You will find an inclusive version in your bulletin. Our Creator, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. told us through your prophets that peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of justice. So may God's peace be present with each and every one of you, that we might share peace with one another to go out and make it in the world. Peace be with you.
Let the church say, Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, God, for this explosion of Holy Spirit power. Thank you, God. Now, you know. I was going to hold your hand. <laughs> you know, we, we, we have many cultures here. <laughs> Come on! Woo! Yeah! Woo! We have many cultures here at the Mitchell Collegiate Church. And we had one of them just now, amen. <laughs> so, so Jay says, how do I follow that? <laughs> well, good luck. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. That, that same Holy Spirit power, amen. that same Holy Spirit power, is, is already in this sermon, because I, I got to read it. And I just ask you to take a moment and welcome Jay Humar, guest preacher today. Take a moment and welcome. So I have, I have preached in four states in the last two weeks. Um, that's the best choir so far. <laughs> we, uh, we don't do that in the Church of England. <laughs> uh, 
it might even be illegal. Right. <laughs> I asked Jackie how I could follow that, and I think the only answer is, of course, with the gospel. So allow me to read for you uh, Mark 8, 27 to 36. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, but who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Now let the words of my heart my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. So Jesus is wandering down the street, as Jesus often did 2,000 years ago, and on the way he turns to his disciples and he says, who do people say that I am? And the disciples repeat all kinds of rumors possibilities whispered by people who've created their own ideas of who Jesus is, who Jesus needs to be for their world to make sense. He's Elijah, John the Baptist, a prophet, a holy man, a walking resurrection. The world is claiming to know who Jesus is, and their ideas are wrong. Not bad, just wrong. Jesus then asks his disciples, those who are close to him, who they think that he is. You are the Messiah, says Peter. The Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. The translations vary, but the meaning remains the same. Jesus is known. Jesus is seen. Jesus is named. And then he tells them to keep quiet. This is his truth, and it's his to reveal at a moment he chooses. And here is the core of what this passage is all about, truth and revealing and the consequences of that. At the beginning of this passage, people make assumptions as to who and what Jesus is, just as people make assumptions as to who and what we are. 
who and what we all are, straight or gay, cis or trans, bi or pan or ace, people look at us, they hear about us, and they assume. And their assumptions might not be insulting. It's not inherently bad to be any of those things. But it might be bad for you. Being anything other than fully the person God created you tends to be bad for you. <laughs> Internally, at least. And in the case of Jesus and the assumptions made about him, that he's John the Baptist or Elijah, those are flattering assumptions, if ever I've heard them, but they're just that. <laughs> they're assumptions. And they're wrong. And the truth that Jesus is the Messiah, that is dangerous. Just as even today, the truth of who we are can be dangerous. The transcendent truth of who God has made us can be dangerous in this world. And so it makes sense that immediately after the disciples speak and know his truth for the first time, Jesus makes his first clear prediction of the passion. The unfair and unjust consequence of his truth in God and of others' fear of it or of what it may be. The possibility alone is world-shaking enough to be feared after all. He tells his disciples simply that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He will be rejected, and he will suffer, and he will be killed, but he will rise again. Here, Jesus explicitly predicts the instruments of social and religious power denying and destroying something of God that they simply cannot comprehend. And he predicts God prevailing, as always. But as I'm trying to make clear, this isn't just about Jesus. This is about us, too, as followers. This is about our lives in God, ourselves in God, our truths in God. This is made clear in that moments after predicting his own death at the hands of those who cannot accept his truth, Jesus says, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? It's not exactly a cuddly platitude. <laughs> Jesus is seemingly asking us to die, to lose our lives. But what does it mean to lose your life? I think that's the important question here, the thing upon which our understanding of the entire passage relies. What is a life? And what does it mean to lose it? Though it's important to recognize that for Jesus' followers in this most dangerous moment, the literal meaning of losing a life, of dying, would have been foremost in their minds. Life isn't simply the state of being alive, and dying isn't the only way to lose your life. And I know that sounds wild, but you already know that, on some level at least, because who hasn't been told to get a life? <laughs> or told someone else to. And the only way that saying get a life to a living, breathing person can make any sense is if life means more than breath and heartbeat and brainwaves. 
And we all know that, even if we've never thought about it until now. So what is life? It's this. It's all of this. And it's everything else, too. Life is all that we know and all that we think and all that we think that we know. And so in this passage, Jesus is not, in fact, asking us to die. What he's asking of us is much harder. He's asking us to lose our lives, to lose our lives for his sake and for the sake of the gospel. We're being called to strip away all that's familiar and comfortable, all that makes existence easy, all that makes sense. We are being asked to dismantle ourselves and the world and rebuild in a truer image. In short, we're being asked to give up this vast, nebulous concept that is life in pursuit of this radical gospel. And in losing our lives for Jesus' sake and for the sake of the gospel, we will save them. But what does that look like? The process can take many forms, but it must, at its heart, be a process of clearing away the stuff of life that separates us from God and for the full truth of who we were created by God. And for many of us, during that process, we must make a choice. Not about what we are, because being queer is not a choice, but about what we do about it. On the one hand, we could try to pretend we are not who and what we are. We could take whatever moment of clarity we may have had and we could deny it. We could become our own Peter, hearing the cockerel crow and weeping as we realize that out of fear of worldly retribution, we have denied the wonder and clarity gifted to us by God. We could continue as if we'd never seen that terrifying beauty and endless possibility that for a moment danced before our eyes. We could try to keep safe, to keep control, to exist in the status quo and avoid the suffering and rejection so often offered by the world and by those in power. Try to avoid suffering and rejection at the hands of our own modern versions of those elders, chief priests, and scribes who 2,000 years ago were so challenged by the wondrous, expansive truth of God's love for creation that they insisted upon the death of the person who most embodied it. We could save our lives as we know them while simultaneously knowing that to do so means losing the truest life of all. The life that God in their infinite love and wisdom created and called each and every one of us to live. We could live a half-life, a life of surface and nothing more, too scared to disturb that hidden unwanted truth to ever truly be alive, we could die in all but breathing. Or we could risk it all. We could choose to give up our lives, our lives, in pursuit of the incredible, dazzling truth of who we were made to be. Yeah. We could step out into the unknown in a world that is so often utterly unable to accept the truth of who God formed us to be, knowing that what we stand to lose is nothing short of everything, and that everything is as nothing into comparison to what it is we shall gain. Yeah. And upon doing that, Upon finding our lives, we may die then, too. Hate crimes are rising, and all too many of us do, but before that possible end, we will know we have truly lived, yes. if only for a short while. Yes. 
Ensure in this world at this time, queer people are given a choice. We can say, try to save our lives, only to lose them one way or another. Or we can willingly lose our lives in search of a truth that so often sees us rejected and reviled by society. In doing such a thing, in giving up our life in that way, we will find it. Jesus asks us, what will it profit us to gain the whole world and forfeit our life? And though he was not explicitly speaking of queer people in the 21st century when he spoke those words, it does not mean that the, mean that the meaning does not hold. Yes. To go further, Jesus says, those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. And so we are called to give up our lives for the sake of Jesus, for God made flesh. And for the sake of the gospel, for the good news of God. And what is more of God than a full and unashamed embracing of the people God made us to be, lovingly crafted in God's own image? What is more of the gospel? What is better news than the truth of who we are? Living, breathing examples of the expansiveness of God's creation and the love which God has for each and every one of us. Jesus died for us on the cross so that we may live, so that we may call on God's kingdom to collide with the here and now, to manifest on earth, to bring a purity and depth of love and justice that is beyond human comprehension, but in Christ is within human reach. And that kingdom starts with us. We're called to love our neighbors as ourselves, and so we must love ourselves. We are called to share the good news of God. We are called to share the good news of God, and that includes the truth of who we are. Living embodiments of the wonder of God's creation, we are called to lose our lives, for in doing so we shall find them in God. People often think that it is in denying our queerness that we please God and that embracing it we indulge only ourselves, wrapped up in human affairs and not the divine. And to that, I echo Jesus's words to Peter in this passage. Get behind me, Satan. For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Because what is more human than the social and cultural norms that we use to shame and exclude? What reeks of human corruption more than the use of scripture and of God's name to excuse bigotry against God's beloved creation? And what can come closer to the divine than to see the world as God created it and to praise God for the wonder of that creation without denying or defying any part of it? Yes. Jesus calls on us to give up that which is easy, comfortable, and safe in pursuit of a far more radical, far more dangerous truth. He does this repeatedly throughout the Gospels, not just here in this reading. We are called to give up the whole world. And in return, we are gifted ourselves. We are gifted 
whole lives. Who are we to ignore or deny that call? And what is the world that it asks for us to do so? Jesus asks us to take up our crosses and follow him. And no cross is formed by God. Our metaphorical crosses, like the literal one Jesus carried, are formed by human hands as a reaction to human fears and in response to our perceived breaking of human rules. In our pursuit of God's truth and justice. Our cross is not our God-given queerness, but the world's response to it. So let us not be afraid, but do as our Savior asks us. For in Matthew 10, he says, nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. So be it today, or tomorrow, or some far off day when you, like Christ, are ready. We must take up this great command and follow faithfully this word from our God who knows us more intimately than we know ourselves. We must proclaim our truths from the housetops. We must tell of God's love for us in the light. We must shoulder those crosses the world has carved for us. Crosses that those who hate us wish to nail us upon. And we must walk beside Christ in the light of our own truths. For as queer people, we have nothing to fear from the divine. Nothing to fear from God. By whom we are, all of us, fearfully and wonderfully made. All we have to fear are human things. Human hatred. Human intolerance. And when we know that we are forever held in the arms of a God of love and justice who created and formed us in an abundance of love, a fear of human things, a fear of mortal things, a fear of death, a fear of the loss of our lives, it's no real fear at all. Amen. advertised this sermon uh, as a duet, and then I read Jay's words and wanted to give him the space, because he deserved the space. <laughs> right decision, the right decision. But, but, but a one-minute response uh, on the way into inviting you to join the movement. You know, I'm a woman of a certain age that my husband says I should stop saying. 
yeah. But I'm, but I'm 64, right? I'm 64. The Beatles wrote a song about me and Dean, you know. And when, when, I'm, when I'm, I'm, I'm saying that to say something about transformation, Jay, right? That there is a blessing that has happened in the last 20 years that I've been a part of this community, which is the, the inability to continue to take for granted. The inability to continue to take for granted that we're not all in a process of transformation. Like, my queer friends have queered me. And I am clear that the journey that you were on, are on, I'm on. I'm on that journey. And I don't mean to say I'm on that journey about getting the pronouns right. That too. But I mean owning the non-binariness of my own self. Owning, owning the non-binariness of the world that wants to push good, bad, left, right, Jew, Palestine, black, white, male, female on us and cause us not to have nuanced thinking or revelations about ourselves that, that cause us to be stuck, Jay, in places of death, that we pretend to be places of life, that that's the life to give up. Like, that's the life to lose. The life to lose is the impingement that happens because we can't get past what the world wants to categorize. For me recently, I've been talking to a friend about letting go of something that impinges me. That in a world of binaries, Jay, I'm like, be good, right? And be good could be, be full of S-H-I-T. Be good could be false understandings of what wounds me and hurts me. Be good could be buying into feminine crap about instead of owning my badass male self. When my mom died six years ago, we got to some truth-telling that unlocked something in me that continues to come out. My dad died six months ago, three, and it's coming out. And what's coming out is truth. Truth that will set you free. Truth that will cause you not to be dead inside. Truth that will exact from myself any of the dead giving life sucking. That's the journey we're all on. What, what we think is the right way to be is often in prison. The gift from you, Jay, today is a framing of what it means to lay down our life, which is to say to lay down the junk, which is to say to lay down the deadness, which is to say to lay down the false self, which is to say to be alive to the true self. I'm so thankful for the framing and that is not, you know, somebody like the trans people. Yes, yes, the trans people, but you coming fully into you is the journey we're on if we're on a journey with God. God wants our true self in this movement for love and justice. Amen.
<laughs> so, that's what I say to what you said. <laughs> what do you think? I think you're fairly right there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does this make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about this some more when it's not, you know, 105 or Exactly, whatever. yeah. But I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Okay. Right? So, so John and I are members of this church. Um, you don't always join the church where you work. You don't have to join the church where you work. You don't. And in fact, in some churches, they won't let you join the church where you work because of some kind of conflict of interest or something. I belong to this church, and my husband, John, belongs to this church. Why? Because it's the best church on the planet. I think, I think I would say that if I didn't work here. Where else do you get this? Where else do you get this? Where else do you get this? Multicultural, multi-ethnic, many-gendered, many-sexuality laboratory <laughs> of love, interfaith, trying hard, making mistakes, being sorry, being held up by love to keep trying again and again. Yeah. That's just so much love. So if you are looking for a place where someone like Jay will preach, yes, after music like that, <laughs> <laughs> and if you're looking for a place where you can be exactly as you are as you come through the door or into the lens or on the screen, if you want to be a place that is a laboratory rehearsing the reign of God on earth, knowing we're going to fail, but we're going to try again tomorrow, this is the place. And we invite you to join us. Easy breezy peasy. Go to middlechurch.org slash join. Put your name there. We'll pursue you. We'll stalk you. <laughs> we will find you. <laughs> we will come for you to invite you to be a part of a new member gathering so you can get to know us and we can get to know you. And then you're ours. That's it. Not six tons of catechism, not pay us a tithe, although part two. <laughs> Mo movements do require resources, and you're a resource, right? Just your here, your gifts, your thoughts, your dreams, your hopes, your personality makes us who we are. Your voice, you can sing in the choir. John will let you. You can usher and make people feel welcome. You can teach classes. You can write pieces. You can show up and march in the streets. There's work to do, and you're welcome to do it. And the other resource you have is funding the movement. We are not broke. We have been incredibly blessed since the fire to have resources that came in from grants and, and from you and from the insurance, you know? <laughs> but we are building a building, doggone it. And it does take funds. So go to middlechurch.org slash rising and find your part to do. A little bit goes a long way. Whatever is a comfortable thing for you to do, that's what we'd like you to do. And more, more than anything else, 
remember that this is a house filled with love for you and your people. And I'm so glad you're here. With that, the choir will once again blow us out of the water. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>
Let us pray. Holy One, for these gifts, all of these gifts, we give you thanks and praise, and we ask that you would use our bodies, the lives we give up, and the lives we pick up to heal the world. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing a shortish version of the final hymn. <laughs> This was off the chisane today. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, amazing musicians. Thank you, thank you, community of faith. Um, thank you, Jay. Thank you. I'm, I'm so
supposed to let you know. I'm supposed to let you know that the book fair is not just for kiddos. So if you're looking for holiday books, please come downstairs or stay here and get books. But buy books. There's books, and those books are um, are being partnered with with uh, you. I can't do it. Menu. You, you and me books. Okay, thanks. I'm, I'm so. And Jay, Jay's new book of poetry is available. Which, which Jay will be, from which Jay will be reading in a few minutes after, after he drinks some water. Um, can you raise your hand in a blessing for each other? Ophelia, Octavius, all the children of the world, we love you. We want you to be your full selves. Good God, please be yourself. Please lay down anything that stops you from being yourself. And may God bless and keep all of us. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening, friends. To learn more about Middle Church, visit middlechurch.org. You can help grow this movement of love and justice by rating us on Apple or Spotify and by sharing this episode with a friend or two. Send us an email at info at middlechurch.org if you have any questions or comments. We hope you'll come back next week. Bye for now.